I don't look like a pirate. Do you remember that tear-filled cry of Doug's nephew, Lincoln? Well, this shirt was the closest thing I could come up with to look like a pirate. Pretty feeble attempt, as all it says is I'm a pirate. Uh, but if you remember from Doug's story, Lincoln's grandpa and grandma found a way to help Link Lincoln look like a pirate. They thought of the identity markers that any young child would associate with a pirate. An eye patch and a hook, of course. And then a few weeks ago, uh, JR shared about another identity marker uh, as he was sharing about Christian women who get crosses tattooed on their foreheads, an identity marker of their commitment to follow Christ, a reminder to themselves of that commitment, and an identity marker to others as well. In chapter 3 of 1 John, John lays out the figurative eye patch and hook for followers of Christ. He writes about the identity markers that signify that we are living congruently with Christ. So after repeatedly and emphatically telling his audience that they are part of the family of God through the life and work of Christ, he lays out the things that children of God do. Because all families have identity markers, right? You know, that thing that just seems to be part of your family's M.O. Those things that your family says, yeah, that's just what we do. Or when other people ask about why you do that thing, the only reason you can give is because it's part of your family's uh, M.O. It's part of just what it means to be who you are. Uh, for the Pitson family, I think one of those things is eating popcorn. I can remember as a young child, uh, it seemed like almost every night, either my mom or my dad or or both would uh, pop a bowl of popcorn and we would snack on that for the remainder of the evening. And as I've grown, that's become something that I've just continued to do. As my wife will tell you, there are many nights in the week where I pop myself a bowl of popcorn at the end of the day because it's just what Pitsons do. But uh, I think if you asked uh, people in our house church uh, what it is that Pitsons do, they would probably tell you that it's moving because yes, we are moving again next Saturday, just a few miles from our current place. Uh, but this will mark the fourth time we've moved in the last four years. So when we told people in our house church and others who have helped us with past moves that we were moving, the response was, yep, yeah, that makes sense. That's what Pitsons do, right? Uh, I think they've actually marked it on their calendars as an annual event. Um, but what are the things that John writes about that identify Christians? What are the things that children in God's family do? John writes in chapter 3 that God's children denounce sin and they love others. Those are the identity markers. And he writes very explicitly, he knows the seriousness of sin. He calls it lawlessness, which is the idea of rebelliousness to God. 
He understands that sin drives a wedge between us and God, it causes a rift in the relationship. Thankfully, John also writes about the atoning work of Christ and how through that work, our sins have been forgiven and our relationship with God can be renewed and restored. So as children of God, we begin to see sin as pulling us further from God. So when we see sin, we confess it so that the relationship can be restored. If we refuse to confess and go on sinning, the relationship continues to tear. But as children of God, John writes, sin is no longer part of our MO. It doesn't mean that we don't fall short, but in Christ, our sins are forgiven and we are no longer a slave to sin. Sin is no longer to be a part of our identity. The second identity marker is one that John repeats throughout his letter. His children of God are to be marked by love because that is the character of God and that is the character we want to grow into. And love is not just a feeling. John wants to make sure that we understand it is not merely words. The emphasis is on doing I don't know if you remember one of the democratic debates a little over a year ago. Uh, Bernie Sanders said something that uh, comedians had a heyday with. Uh, he said, this is what you do do. Uh, Bernie was writing this letter. He probably would have written, if you're a child of God, love is what you do do. Thankfully, John was a little bit more articulate but he does put the emphasis on the doing because love is an action, not just sentimentality. The proof is in the doing. Love is an action. Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. This gets me every time I read it. What a challenge. As J.R. said, uh, John is pretty simple, but not easy. This verse is a poignant word and, and always relevant, but I, I think even more so, uh, especially in our social media age, where there are so many words, it's easy to find a place to say something. Society is filled with words and so much noise people shouting to be heard, and, and people trying to shout louder than them. We have an endless barrage of words in our world today. Uh, and yes, I, I do recognize the irony of me standing up here with all my words. But amidst all the noise in our world, John reminds us love isn't merely words. It's action. Why? because actions speak louder than words. So what do children of God do? John lays out the two chief identity markers, turn from sin and practice love. These can be hard. We know all too well how often we fall short. 
one of the questions that uh, has continued to pop up in our house church as we look at 1 John is, what do we make of John saying that those who are in Christ do not sin? And how does that relate to the areas where John describes those who claim not to sin as liars? Which is it, John? I think these questions actually take us back to what Doug talked about, um, his first teaching about 1 John, the idea that we are living in the overlap. The age to come, the reign of God has been inaugurated through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, but we are still awaiting its final fulfillment. And this is why John writes, important word. We are God's children now, even while we wait for the fullness of that reality when Christ is revealed. We're walking in the in-between. Uh, my family is actually, I think, experiencing an analogy to this right now. Many of you know that we uh, have welcomed two wonderful boys into our home through foster care, and uh, we are awaiting the date when we can finalize the adoption of these two boys. And, and we've talked with them a lot about it, and trying to help them understand what that day is going to be like, what adoption means. Uh, and they're trying to kind of process it, and they're excited. Uh, yesterday, our three-year-old boy asked a, a significant question as he's trying to understand this and process, processing it in his own three-year-old way. Uh, he stopped and took a break in the middle of his playing, and he just looked up at Jenny and me and said, Daniel and me and you and you all pitsin'? And while no, it's not yet official, my response to him could only be, yes, we're all Pitson. That we're living in the overlap, it does not diminish the reality of what will be. Because they're Pitsons now, They've been joining us in the joy of packing and preparing for our move. And because they're Pitsons now, uh, gave me great joy when that same three-year-old woke up this morning and at seven o'clock said, can we have popcorn? They're already growing into the reality of their identity, even while we live in the overlap. So yes, John writes, we are God's children now. There is no doubt about it. And yet John knows we will still have doubts because it's still imperfect. We still sin and experience the difficult effects of sin. And so we doubt, are we really in Christ? And we don't always love the way we should. We're still growing into our identity. We're still learning to love when it's hard to put hands and feet to what we claim to believe. And like a small child learning to walk, we stumble along the way. 
That's why John writes, our hearts condemn us. We sometimes look in the hand mirror and realize we don't look like a pirate. We look at the sin and the lack of love that still plague us. Say, we're not who we're claiming to be. But this is where John takes an important turn. Because yes, the identity markers are important and they help give us guidance and can reassure us of our identity. We can look at the sin that we've overcome or look at the examples of how we've loved our neighbor and say yes. But there are times when our hearts still condemn us. So John writes, by this we will know we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts for God is greater than our hearts. God is greater than our hearts. See, I think a really important part of Lincoln's pirate story is not so much the eye patch and the bent spoon hook. Of course, those are clear identity markers, but the much deeper and more significant part of his experience is the grandma and grandpa who reassured him. Knowing he has grandparents who love him and care for him is the real crux of the story. So John turns not just to the identity markers, he turns to the identity giver. Because that is where our identity truly rests. And so I think it's important that we look at what John says about our identity giver, about the God who is greater than our hearts. Throughout his letter, John writes these things about God. God is the one who is light, the source of life. God is the one who desires to have fellowship with us. God is the one who is faithful and just to forgive our sins when we confess and repent. God is the one who brings us from death to life. God is the one who destroys the works of the devil and takes away our sin. God is the one who wants us to be free and come to him in bold confidence. God is the one who gives us the life-giving, love-activating, identity-affirming spirit. God is the one whose perfect love casts out fear God is the one whose very core is love. There's a lot about love in this letter because it is the chief identity marker of the children of God. Why? Because love is the chief identity marker of the Father. John challenges, as it challenges and encourages his audience to love not in words, but in action. Why? Because here is the gospel. Here is the really, really good news. God has not loved us merely with words. God put love into action. 
God is the one who loves us in action, sending his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The son who laid down his life for us. Behold, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is who we are, because God has put his love into action for us. Amen.